0: I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Amen. God's word. You may be seated. Ah, my walk-up music, I just heard that. (laughs) If, you're, uh, if you've got the ability to maybe slide over a little bit or at least raise your hand, somebody can see uh, where they can sit. We've got, man, praise the Lord for this. We love having the ability uh, to ask that. Uh, man, the Lord is doing incredible, incredible work in our body. Uh, and we, we would say because of the, of his word and of the community, you reaching out, you talking about what God's doing in your life, And so thank you. If you are a guest today, right in front of you, right there in front of you somewhere, there should be a little blue card and a uh, pen. We'd love for you to fill that out, take it, and uh, you can bring it back to me. I'll be out the doors and to the left as you leave, or you can drop it in the offering box on the wall. I'm going to just send you a note of thanks this week for being with us. Thank you for being here. Members, regular attenders, please remember that you uh, give your tithes or offerings. You be faithful in what it is that God has given you and how he's called us to steward that. Uh, for his glory's sake. It is good to see many of you today. Well, it's good to see all of you. Some of you I haven't seen in a, in a few weeks, and so it's good to have you back here with us. Uh, listen, if you're out, you're having to be away. Uh, if you're online worshiping with us, we have people still traveling. Uh, we're looking forward to you being back, and I'm thankful that you are back. I know that in the next couple of weeks, folks will be traveling again for uh, it's fall break, right? Yeah, I get those fall break. Fall break's coming. And so you, we want you to be safe as you're going, but know that you're always missed when you're not here. Today's a pretty unique day for us uh, in our world. I, I'm, I'm assuming you realize it is September the 11th. And uh, around 21 years ago, there was a day that kind of started much like all the rest of the days, but it didn't. It ended in a way that was very unlike what we had expected ever experienced before, probably in our lifetimes in many ways. Uh, you remember, I remember where I was. Many of you will remember where you were and what you were doing uh, when those uh, twin towers fell. But today, what we remember are the 3,000 lives that were lost and the 400 uh, first responders uh, that died going to the issue, going to the problem. And I want to say this, if, you, if we have many first responders in our in our body, uh, and I want to say thank you. Whether you are law enforcement, your fire protection, your EMS, your paramedic, uh, thank you for what you do. Uh, I want you to know that you are God's instrument uh, for us, and so we are very, very thankful for you and all that you do. Uh, I remember being at my home. Uh, we were Amy and I were getting ready for the day, and uh, we we were remember us going, oh my word! We were like just stopped, stunned. Uh, as you do some reading, and I came across a story this week that caused me to go back and do a little bit more digging. You know, in the aftermath of what all happened on that day, there were people on, uh, the, on Ground Zero, as it became known, uh, for a year. And uh, there, were, uh, there was one man named uh, Joseph Meyerwitz. Joseph Meyerowitz is a photographer in New York City. He's what's known as a street photographer. I didn't know a whole lot about that, but it's people who just, their job, they, they, they walk around and they take pictures of what's going on in the city, and as that building fell, as the buildings fell, he began to ph- photograph what was going on, and he spent the next nine months at Ground Zero uh, Photographing all kinds of things that would happen, went through all kinds of film, uh, m- many, many exhibits he 's got books that are out, but he, he tells the story of being on the pile of the south, what was at one point the south tower, and as he 's staying there uh, photographing, he begins to hear one of the first responders, one of the, the ones who were digging out in the days afterwards, uh, began to yell at him and begin to call out to him. And uh, as he turned and found where the voice was coming from, he saw someone running to him holding something. And as it got closer, what he began to realize is that it was a piece of of uh, steel that had come down that was a part of the South Tower, where now there was a Bible that was open that had been preserved and melted into that. I think we have a picture of that, a couple of fo- photographs of that. I don't know where to get. I'm sorry. It's all over. But... I'll be in the way. But th- that was preserved open. Uh, I don't know how that happens, but uh, it was opened and preserved to the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he began to photograph it, began to take pictures of it. Uh, they were asking what to do with it. He, somehow, it ended up back in his his uh, photography studio where he took more photos and different things. And then it began to be understood that there was going to one day be a 9-11 memorial. And, and he, you can see this in the 9-11 memorial. I don't know if any of you have ever been there. I highly encourage you if you've never got to go and see that. It's a very, very moving uh, exhibition uh, 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 and, a, and a memorial to, to those who have died. But, you know, I think this is Uh, uh, kind of a a vivid illustration for us, if you will, of the enduring legacy and lasting nature of the Word of God. Uh, The Word of God is true and right. And I need you to hear this. Uh, It's going to last throughout eternity. Why? Because God spoke it. Uh, He sent His living Word, and now we have His written Word, and His Word is true, and it will always stand the test of time. And I think also it is kind of a picture for us of what Paul was wanting the Colossian church to begin to see. Hopefully you have your Bibles and you've opened them up or you've turned them on or something. You've got a pen, a piece of paper, because we're going to kind of start walking through this passage, these uh, five verses, and we're going to talk about them today. Paul had heard about their faith, about how this church had started. One of his disciples started it, uh, this Disciple came and began, it came to him while he was in prison. Paul had now been put in prison. Most folks think he was probably in, in an Ephesian jail in Ephesus. And while he is there, Epaphras from uh, 120 miles away comes to Ephesus. That's how far the distance between Colossae and, and Ephesus is. And he tells him, Hey, listen, the church, even Laodicea, which was only 10 miles away, you heard Juliana read about that. Uh, that those two churches were beginning to experience some false teaching that was coming into the church. Now, I want to be really clear, and you 're going to hear me say this a couple of times today, all right, and I want to make sure that you hear this really well uh, i don 't believe our biggest threat as a church. I want to make sure you hear this i don 't believe our biggest threat as a church is what 's out there. What I believe is our biggest threat is what we let into here in the way of teaching. That is contrary to the word of God. I want to say that one more time. For us as a church, as believers, and there is a lot of messed up stuff out there in the world. A lot of messed up stuff. But I need you to hear me. That's not our biggest threat. Our biggest threat is what we allow as far as false teaching to creep into us as a body that we begin to take and try to meld into the word of God. Because when we do that, when we begin to allow that to happen, what we begin to say is, is that God's inerrant word, his word, that is without error, that is all sufficient. We begin to say that there is other things that we can meld into and amalgamate together, bring together with it. We synthesize it together. And those two things, listen, anything that waters down his word is false teaching. Thank you. It's false teaching, and we need to be confident enough as followers of Christ, and this is one of the things that you're going to hear me talk about a lot today, you're going to hear me say a lot today, is that we have to hold on to his word. We have to line up with it, let it walk in. Some of you are going, so what's going to be different than what you tell us every week? Well, I, I don't ever want you to lose the fact that we've been given a gift, the gift of God's word. We don't worship it. We should never worship this text but we hold it in high honor because it tells us about it's how we know and come into relationship with with the one who is the living word of god and so with that it's very important that we begin to understand that paul wrote this book he wrote this letter literally a letter that we now call a book he wrote this letter to people that he loved who were followers of his He knew that the world that he was living in was broken, it was corrupt, it was was morally bankrupt. But here's what I want you to catch. He spent the most amount of time in his letter. Yes, he warned them. Listen, there are things out there, but the reason I'm talking to you about it is because you're letting it infiltrate the church, and you're putting it on par, you're bringing it together with the word of God. So Paul is challenging his people. He's challenging these people. The church at Colossae, he's challenging them today to have strong hearts and strong minds. Strong hearts and strong minds. Those are the two things that we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about having a strong heart and a strong mind. Notice with me, if you will, in verse 1, in verse 1, and we're not getting to point 1 yet. This is all run up, okay? So get ready. Uh, notice with be in verse 1. In verse 1, he uses the word struggle. This is the same word that he used like a verse earlier in chapter, 20, in chapter 1, verse 29. He's talking about struggling. You remember last week we talked about how that word uh, struggle in the, uh, in the Greek language was the word that we get uh, agony from? It's, it's, it, it was in, in, the, in the previous text, in, in verse 29 of chapter 1, it was agonizomai. In this, it's just agon, which means agony. It, it, it gives the picture of an athlete, a male athlete. It gives the picture of a male athlete of that day who was involved in all kinds of athletic competition. They were struggling. They were, they were straining. They were working. They were competing. They were pouring everything out. They were in agony so that they might win. Do you catch the picture here of what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, listen, I'm struggling for you on your behalf. Now, these are people he had never met before. He knew Epaphras, but he had never met any of the people. He had never been to the church at Colossae. He had never been to the church at Laodicea. But he, even though he had never met them, he was struggling on their behalf. He was competing with those who were the false teachers. And he says, listen, I- I'm struggling on your behalf. Well, what, is, what was that type of struggle? Well, his vision for his struggle, just like any athlete, an athlete, when they compete, they compete to win. If an athlete's not competing to win, they need to stop competing, much like my Aggies yesterday, all right? Listen, they need to stop competing, all right? Uh, that, I don't know what happened there. But th- you, if you're going to compete, you better compete to win. You, you want to get in and you want to push. Well, what is Paul competing for here? Well, he's competing for a a picture of what it means to be a disciple, a Christ-centered disciple. Jesus in the forefront, Jesus at the center, everything flowing out of him. This is what it is that he's competing for. And there were those who were coming from the outside, those Greeks who were trying to add to, those, the Jewish people who were coming into the church saying, listen, you can worship Jesus, but you've got to add these feasts. You've got to add these. You've got to add circumcision. You've got to add these certain days? And he says, no, 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 no. Listen, we're about the gospel of Jesus, him and him alone. Jesus over everything. Jesus over everything. Everything is about him, for him, through him, and to him. This is what he was struggling for. He wanted the people of the church of Colossae to stand firm, to stand firm. Uh, you guys who played football, you remember in the days of football, maybe even in, in basketball and baseball, your base, is all, it, it always matters, doesn't it? it? It matters. If you're standing like this all the time, you don't have a good base. you got to have a good base. you got to have a firm base so that you can go this way or this way. If you're hit, you've got a way that you're standing strong. He says, listen, I want you, church, to have a strong base. I want you to have a strong, firm foundation. And what is that? It's Christ alone. This is what I'm struggling for. I'm in prayer for you. I'm agonizing for you, as I am with all of the churches. He says, this is my struggle. So what, what is it that he's really concerned about here? If his vision is a, is a vision of God-centered, Christ-centered discipleship, if that's his true vision, what is it here that he's talking about that he is worried about, that he is so concerned about in this passage? Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. Verse 4, he says this I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, that no one may delude you. This word delude right here, this word delude, in the original language, it has a, a, a prefix attached to it that is para, P A R A. It means to come alongside. It means to come alongside. And, and this word, delude, in the original language, is that tr- it's, it's, it's a plausible argument. It's, a, it's coming alongside truth. It's a false idea, a false statement, a false teaching that comes alongside truth that will lead you astray. And here's what he says. He says, listen, what you want to be careful of here is something that sounds really good, that will come along truth that you'll go, hmm. And you'll think, well, maybe that that's plausible. Do you remember us talking a few weeks ago that what you have to be careful about is you have, when you come to the word of God, you have to make sure and realize we're talking about God's revealed word, what it is that he has truly revealed to us, his truth. And what you have to be careful about is man has speculation. Uh, it, it, we don't, we're bringing up things that we, we may... Could be, yeah. Might be, yeah. Could be, or that's a good idea. How about we take that and we bring that into the church? And what we ends up happening is, is it deludes truth? I'm not a rowing guy. I, I see that at the gym; those guys, those folks on the on the row machines, and they I'm out working it out. Uh, that's not me. I, I don't have a whole lot that I like to do. That's me at the gym. To be real honest with you. But those rowing machines i 'm told that there is a, that in the sport of rowing, the people who are the rowers are called the crew. And in the crew, the most dangerous thing that can happen: not, not rowing, not rowing off. Because the crew is so strong that they can overcome that if you're not rowing. They can even get you, even if you're rowing off a little bit, they can, they can handle that. The worst thing in rowing that can happen is for one of them to be just a hair off. Because if it's not noticed quickly, you're so far off course. It, getting off one degree, for those of you who are golfers, you recognize that too in golf, don't you? coming off the tee box, that that club face has to be flush. If it's left open a little bit, if it's closed a little bit, you may even look at it and go, oh, that looks good, and then all of a sudden it just veers off because it was off just a tad. You see, 1% off, one degree off can lead to destruction. This is why it's so important that we go where the Scripture goes, We hold true to what he says. And and you realize, don't you, that is an old ploy of the enemy. That goes all the way back to Genesis. Remember the serpent who was more wily, who was more crafty than all the others, who comes to Eve and says, did God really say that? And and even today, that still happens, doesn't it? This this is the 21st century. You got to be kidding me. You believe that? Are you serious? Listen, when it comes to the sexual ethic, when it comes to uh, how we deal with the different uh, ethnicities and races, are you kidding me? No, listen, we go where the Bible goes. That's where we go. That's where we stand. We follow what the word of God has to say. And Paul is struggling here. And I wanna come back to it. I want to come back to it. It's not primarily the worship of Zeus that he's worried about. It's primarily that we're going to be in the word, that we're going to let those things come into the world and into the church world. And here's the thing. If we're not careful, it's easy to step back. It's easy to step back and look out and go, they're crazy. How do they get that? How do they get those things? How do they get from A to E or Z? My goodness. Well, I want you to hear this. That can happen very easily to you and I if we are not in the Word of God. If we allow, if we allow, if we allow teaching that doesn't line up with the Word of God to infiltrate not just our, I need you to hear this. You know what infiltrates our church has to first infiltrate you. Are are you following me here? If you begin to nurse on the philosophies of the world and you begin to go, that sounds right. Do you know what begins to happen? You begin to be be deluded and you begin to be thinking, well, I guess it's plausible. Do you see why Paul is struggling? Uh, Paul is agonizing. He is like going, no, 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 hold on. What you're seeing here is the heart of Pastor Paul, who loves his people, who's willing to confront them, who's willing to walk in them and say, no, listen, here's what the word of God says. And if you, this is where we need to land. This is where we need to be. This is what Paul's doing. Listen, if you're a true follower of Jesus Christ in this room, coming in hot today, right? (laughs) If if, if you're a true follower of Jesus Christ today, I'm less worried about the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses coming up your door and knocking on your door and convincing you that you need to leave Jesus Christ. You know what I'm more concerned about is you not getting up in the morning and spending time with the Lord Jesus Christ over weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months and months and months and trying to say, listen, I follow Jesus. And one day, you're, that one degree has turned into 30 degrees and you are no longer here. And you now have been deluded with plausible arguments. This is what Paul's doing here. This is what Paul is doing. This is what Paul has called us to. He is trying to shake us, wake us up. And now he brings us to having strong hearts and strong minds. So let's talk about what it looks like to have a strong heart real quick, all right? Let's talk about what it looks like. Paul's engaging them, and he's wanting them to see this. Verses 2 and 3. Look with me at verse 2 and 3. Verse 2 says, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of the fullness of understanding, that the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Now, what is God's mystery? Which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul's desire here, he says very clearly in verse 2, is this, that they, their hearts would be encouraged. The word encouraged here has the same uh, prefix, the same prefix as the, the word diluted, P A R A. Except in this stance, in this word, it means to be encouraged, to come alongside, to brace up, not to dilute, not to delude, but to brace up. It's the same word that you see in John referred to that, that the Lord uses with the Holy Spirit. The, paraclete, the one who comes alongside, the encourager, the comforter, the one who comes up beside to strengthen, to walk alongside. And notice what he says here. He says, I want you to be encouraged, that their hearts would be encouraged. Paul's vision here is that to stand strong in the, the, the world that they were living in, to stand strong in that world, they, their hearts had to be encouraged. Their hearts had to be strengthened. Their hearts needed to be braced up. It, it was a vision of community, that a body of believers would come together and that they would be committed to one another, bracing one another, walking alongside one another. Have you ever heard people say that, you know, uh, the church, that's just a crutch for weak people? And I go, yeah, it is, Me. That's exactly right. Don't be afraid of that. Because when you are weak, you are strong. When you get strong is when you get weak. I need you to hear that. When you try to be strong on your own, you're going to be weak. And the church, the body, we come together. We come together to encourage one another by standing strong with one another, bracing one another, walking alongside one another. And Paul goes on to help us to see that with the very next thing that he says. Notice what he says there. Paul comes up and he says, being knit together in love. Paul's really, really clear here that we don't do Christianity. We don't do life. We don't live life as solos. We don't do it I mean, you may try, but that's not the picture. Uh, my grandmother uh, used to knit. She was well, crocheting, is really what it was. But she would knit. She would crochet, and uh, all of those loops are connected together. You you don't pull them apart. They are there. This is what he describes. This is the picture that he's talking about. That we are knit together. It, the way we encourage one another is by being together, by being knitted together in love with one another. Now, I need you to hear me. This isn't the kind of love that you hear out in the world today that, that's tolerant, that is squishy and mushy and has, like, all kinds of weak edges. You, you know that whole idea in, uh, speaking of art, gradients, where you never know when one color moves to the next color? Just all of a sudden you see it. That's not what he's talking about here. This is not the kind of love that he's talking about. This kind of love is a love that is willing to walk in the lives of other believers and say, hey, I really love you. I've been with you. You know me. I mean you no harm. I have your best interest at hand. But like your golf ball went into the weeds here. You're off just a little bit because this is what the word says. And I love you. I want to walk with you. How you say that may be different than how I say that. But that is what he's talking about here. That's how we encourage one another. How when we walk life together, when we are in, and this is why we always talk about, I want want you to hear me. This is why we always talk about, are are you in a, community group? Are you in a life group? Are you connected in a Bible study some way? Or I, I'm not talking about uh, uh, these affinities. I'm, I, I, listen, I'm talking about do you have people in biblical, that you're in biblical community with, that you are opening the word with, that you are l- l- figuring out how do, I, how do I do this thing called the Christ-centered life, this gospel life? How do I do that together? And I need you, I want to say this. Uh, We have some groups here, some life groups. I I want you to hear me. Uh, They're doing incredible. Discipling groups. I've sat in a couple over the last uh, little bit, been in some home groups, been in some discipleship groups, and to watch them open the word, to walk in each other's lives, to be able to say, you know what, I don't know if that's really what that means, Or here's how that's working out in me. To see people encouraging and praying for one another. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, we got to come alongside one another, brace one another up with our presence. Because why? Because we've been knit together. We've been knit together. You're not just one string out here. We're probably in this room right now about 170 different strings, you add the other service, the other 180 strings. Count the kids that are down the hallway. And you know what he does with that? He takes all of those strings and he knits us together. He weaves us together. And we are a beautiful tapestry for his glory. And when one string kind of starts to come out, you know what someone does? One of their, one of their brothers, one of their sisters comes behind and just kind of pulls it back in gently. I'm not trying to take a knife or scissors and cut you off. The scripture says, listen, Jesus, he's the type of, he's the type of, uh, 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 of savior. He, he doesn't want to snuff out a, a wick. He calls us to be able to come alongside one another. Why? So that we can encourage one another, so that our hearts might be strong in one another. Now, the word hearts in the scripture, the word hearts in scripture, it's not necessarily referring to like the organ that's right here, unless it says they ripped their hearts out, like took it out in war. Well, it, your heart in scripture primarily talks about the seat, the, the, the inner working, the place of your passion, your greatest desire. Zion said just a minute ago, well, let's sing from the bottom of our heart. I don't know where that is, and I don't know how to get that out if it's a physical heart. That's not what he was meaning. He was talking about with everything that you have. He says, we have to knit everything that we have, who we are, our being, our person, one with another. And I I need you to hear me. That's scary. That's scary. For some of you in here, you've been hurt. You've got daddy issues, mama issues. You've got brother-sister issues. You've got old church hurt issues. And I want to acknowledge those. But I need you to hear me. There there is no other thing. The Lord has called us together as a body. And we are to love one another, to forgive one another, to walk in one another's lives. And when sometimes you may have to go, Kyle, I feel like you were a little harsh to me. I know that's hard to imagine. Somebody would say that about me. (laughs) And you know what I've had to say to folks? I am so sorry. That was never my intent. What what I was wanting to see is this. And they go, oh, okay, yeah, okay. And we come alongside one another. This is what the Lord, that's not just what he's called me to do. That's what he's called us to do. That's what he's called us to do. One with another, being knit together, bracing one another, having strong hearts and strong passion. So I need to ask you something. Have you registered for a small group? Are you in a life group? You can do it on the app. I'm encouraging you to do that. I'm asking you to get involved in a small group. Get involved in a life group. Get involved in a discipleship group. Some of you, you're going, I, listen, I don't know if I know enough about to be in something like that. I don't. Listen, I, we need folks who will lead a group. We need people today who will lead groups. And if you've been around here for a while and you've not done that, I want to I help you do that. I want to help you. Get involved in those things. Come be a part uh, on Wednesday night uh, with Authentic Christianity. Come jump in in that group. You go, man, we're we're starting our fourth week. And some of you are going, oh, I'm four weeks behind. No, come on. Jump in this week. We got ways for you to catch up. But jump in with us. Jump in with us. So strong hearts, he calls us to have a strong heart. The second thing he's calling us to do out of this passage, I believe, I think he's wanting us to see is this, is he wants us to have strong minds. He's wanting us to have strong minds, strong hearts and strong minds. Look at verse two again. Look at verse two again. He says, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery which is in Christ, which is Christ. Verse three, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you've got your pen and you're one that will mark in your Bibles, I want you to circle knowledge, wisdom, understanding. This should take you back to chapter one, verse nine. He's continuing on. Remember, he, he says that all wisdom and knowledge and spiritual understanding is found in the mystery, the mystery of Christ. He says Christ is in all, above all, all through, all things are for him, all things are through him, all things are to him in Christ. He says that he wants us to have strong minds so that we can understand. Where does that come from? It comes from the word. It comes from being knit together. It comes from walking one with another in the word of God so that we can begin to understand what it is that he desires us to do. Listen, strong community builds and reinforces strong doctrine, and strong doctrine ought to drive us towards the church and community. Uh, We've got a class coming up called First Step. First Step is where you learn about our church. And here's what I wanna tell you right now. This is a church that loves the word of God. We believe in the word of God and we're gonna challenge you. We're gonna call you. We're gonna motivate you. We're gonna point you to the word. And if you love the word of God, then I want you to be a part here. If you're trying to grow in uh, in your love of the word of God, I want to understand it more. Come be a part of who we are because he has designed his church. He's called us to be a community that loves his word. And the more that we love his word, the more that we're knit together, the more that we encourage one another with his word, the stronger we'll be as a community. This is what he's pointing us to. Paul doesn't want us to be deluded by th- with all of the outside thinking making its way into our body. Because when it begins to make its way into our body, we begin, we, begin, we begin to become deluded in our thoughts. We begin to be taken captive, hauled off. And you know what ends up happening most of the time is that we never go alone. You know when there is a, uh, in your body, when there is a group of cells that are out of whack in your body, and they begin to grow, and they begin to metastasize. You know that language? You go to the doctor, and he says, you have a cancer, and it is growing. See, what ends up happening is that has to be taken out. And here's what ends up happening oftentimes when we start allowing ourselves to walk away from the word, not follow what the word says. Be deluded by what the outside begins to, to teach. And we begin to mix that together. We, we, we synchronize those things together. It begins to spread within the body. And the only way that stops is by being knitted together in love. We come together and we encourage one another back to the Word. But you've got to have a strong mind to know what is it that God is saying. What, when I hear something, you've heard me speak this before, this illustration, but I think it speaks so well. You know, when uh, our government is training their agents on how to recognize counterfeit bills. Do you know the $20 bill is the most, counterfeit, most counterfeited 20, uh, 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 bill there is? You, you realize they don't get all of the different counterfeits and train them on that. They take ones that are fresh off the mint and they make them focus on an original. An authentic? What does it look like? How does it feel? How does it smell? What are the intricacies? What, what, what are the things that are unique to that $20 bill? Folks, that's true of us. W- w- yes, we should know. What do the Mormons think? What do the Jehovah's Witnesses think? What, w- what are the philosophies of the world and what are the ins and outs of those things? So we can recognize them, but you know more than any of that, we've got to know the original. We've got to know the Word of God so that when we encounter things that we hear or we see on television or we read online or the the trainings that you may be getting in your business places, you can look at them and go, hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. Something inside goes ding, 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 ding. That doesn't line up with the Word. This isn't right. Right? Something's not, this this is not good. Hold on. You see, if we don't have a strong mind, we will be deluded. We will be pulled off that 1%. We will be walking away at some point because we've bitten into the apple of plausible, plausible arguments. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You see, he's not even gotten us here yet to the things that are invading the church. We're going to get there. Next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about those things. But right now, he's pointing them to the thing that is the most important. And how does that happen? Can I just be real easy with you? How, how do we stay strong? How do we have hearts that are strong? How do we have minds that are strong? How do we stay knitted together? coming to the gathering, listening to the preached word. The songs that we sung today, that we sing each week, they're songs from Scripture. They're not like Psalm 23, Psalm 45. But all those songs, they come from Scripture. We're singing and we're hearing. When we gather together, we sing together, we study together, we serve together. We meet house to house. we break bread together. We walk in each other's lives. This is what Paul is calling that body to. He's calling them to be to know his word. What was his word of that day? This is the Old Testament. and those letters that were beginning to be circulated, that Paul was writing. He's going to say, hey, listen, you get the letter that I wrote to Laodicea, and they, you read it, and you, you let them read your letter. This, he's teaching them. They would become the Scriptures. He says, you begin to walk in the apostles' teaching, walk in the teachings that have been given to you. I told our team, I had a, before we met this morning, or, or as we were meeting this morning, praying for you, you, you realize that it's only been probably in the last 500 years that we actually have a written copy of the Word. Prior to that, you went, you sat, you heard the priest, and you walked away, and you just thought on it. I think there could be a day, I wonder if there could be a day, when those who have gone before us say, what was it like to have God's word in your hand? Like, you had a copy. What was that like? I hope that we can say it was amazing. I got to get up, I read it, I studied it. I put it into my life. This is what Paul is calling the church at Colossae to. Notice the last verses, verse 5. He closes with this. He says, for though I'm absent in the body. Remember, he had not seen him. He's in prison. He says, for though I'm absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit. I'm with you in spirit. How is that? Through Epaphras and through his written word. I'm with you in spirit. Rejoicing. To see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. The word good order there, order means discipline. Your discipleship, your discipline. This is what he was striving for. To see your good discipline. The word firmness means stable. To see you stable. A good foundation. Why? Because your hearts are knitted together, you're striving. You're learning the word. You're serving. You're worshiping. You have strong minds to recognize this is what Paul was calling the people to. This is what we call us to today. Some of you in here today, you, you, this is foreign to you. I mean, it's really foreign. Like, you, you don't follow Jesus, and you're going, man, that's that good music. That guy's a little crazy up there. He's like, but somewhere in there, Something has stirred in you. And you go, "Ah, though this feels very different, something about what's happening here is drawing me. I want you to know that's the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. And, And the reason that he's brought you here today was so that he would speak to you just like that. And his desire today is that you would submit your life to him. That's his desire for you today. And and I want you to know the reason that he wants you to submit your life to him today is because he came and he sacrificed his life, Jesus, for your life. Where we couldn't have a right relationship with God because of sin, Jesus came and paid the price, the penalty, in my place, And in your place, if you would surrender your life to him, you would follow him. You would turn from your sin and turn to him. My prayer is is that today, if he's stirring in you, if he's calling you, that you would respond. I'd love to talk with you. I'll be outside. You can come down here. Talk to me up here. I'll be out in the back. I want to talk with you about that. Today, if you're in here and you are a follower of Jesus and you've realized, man, I, I, I've not been exercising my mind so that I can be strong. I've, I've not been exercising my passions so that they would be focused towards the body together with others, worshiping together, serving together, in community one with another. Listen, today you, you can take steps towards that. We wanna help you come back, come down, come meet with me, come come to the back. We wanna help you be able to take those next steps. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for us being together. I thank you for the privilege that we have to be able to worship together. I thank you for your word. Your word is strong, it's living, it's active. It pierces us. Your word shines light into the areas of our lives where we may have been dabbling in darkness. Your word gives direction. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Your word, it's the words of life. It's sweet. It tastes so sweet. It convicts us. It encourages us. Father, I ask today that the Holy Spirit would do the work that only he does, that he would point people to your son, Jesus. Give us strength. Give us courage. Let us die to ourselves today so that we might step out and live for you today. We magnify you alone today, Jesus, and it's in your name we ask these things. Today, I'm going to ask you to stand all over the room. We're going to sing together to close out. You, uh, you're a part of your response. Maybe I'll be down front if you want to talk to somebody. You want me to pray with you about anything. Maybe you want to come and just kneel at the altar. You can meet me at the back afterwards. I want to be able to walk with you. Austin is around here. Uh, Heath is around here. Uh, we, uh, Howard, Howard is here. We want to walk with you and help you to understand how to take your next step with Jesus. Zion, you come and lead us, would you?